try this again. Luke chapter 2. Verse 40 to 51. Fifty-one. It says, And the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. But when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. When they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and answering them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. When they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And let's just pray and let's speak. Uh, the title, Where is Jesus? Let's just pray again. God, tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for your spirit. Let's hear. I pray that you would speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, God, let your will be done, I pray, in a mighty way. In the name of Jesus, God, we thank you. We glorify you. God, we honor you, I pray. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated if you'd like. The story has always been interesting to me. Just a weird kind of story. We don't get a lot of stories about Jesus as a child, and we get this one. Uh, so Mary and Joseph and their family, they all went to Jerusalem for the Passover. We know that Mary and Joseph had other children. It's likely they had some other children at this time. Um, so they and their family and everybody they know, they all go to Jerusalem for the Passover and they come home when it's over and they forget Jesus in Jerusalem. And this is a hard thing for us to grasp. Like how could you forget your child in the big city of Jerusalem? Uh, although if you have children, I'm sure at least one time or another you've misplaced them. It happens. Maybe it's at the grocery store or the toy store especially. Maybe it's I've heard of people leaving their kids at church, <laughs> coming back later and find them sleeping under the pew still. It happens. But for a day, 
I don't know. Probably not so often. We have to understand how people travel then. Travel then to us, you know, we just um, pile the kids in the van or the car or whatever and we go and we get there, we go from A to B and we're all in our little vehicle and that's it and that's fine and it's easy. You know, most of our vehicles don't have over seven seats so it's very manageable. It's easy to notice when one of those heads isn't there in the mirror. When you look back, you know, but once you get outside that nice little seven, that manageable number, that's when chaos can strike. I think I've told you this story before, but a few years ago, my wife and I went on a missions trip to France. Uh, we left our children with my mother. It was only 10 days, so um, we did that. Forgive us. And we went on that trip, but I think there was 14 of us all together, um, we went with the, the Longs who are there now. Uh, I've told you about them several times. And us, there are a few others close in age to us. And then there were some teenagers, the youngest being 13 at the time, I believe, which would be the Longs' oldest daughter, Sophie, and her friend Maggie, who she's been here a couple times um, for camp. She was our lifeguard. She played the piano a few times here. So Maggie was with us. So this, this is the group. Um, everybody in between us, our ages. And it was in June or July, and the Longs were planning on moving there in January for AIM. They're still there. Um, and they were trying to get some things lined up to make the transition go smoother. They brought some extra suitcases, and they were keeping them with missionaries and stuff, and trying to kill two birds with one stone, all that stuff. And we, had, we were going to different cities, and we were preaching and doing outreach and things. And we had driven to Bordeaux, which was a beautiful city, on the southern side of France. We had service with the youth group there. We were going to have service the next morning, um, Sunday morning with them, and then we were going to eat and then take off and go back to another place and do some things there. And so um, this is, takes place after the Saturday evening service. We had a great time, and then the pastor took Mike and his wife Liz out to eat so they could talk about some things regarding the move and all that. And we hung out with the youth pastors, Jeremy and Marina, and a few of the older youth. And we just, we just hung out. They took us around Bordeaux. We saw some things. Um, so there's 12 of us in our group, plus them. So there's probably around 20 or so people in the whole group, maybe a little less or so. So we take a tram downtown. We're walking around. We're exploring the city, um, having a great time. And now it's, it's dark as days go. We're, you know, this is after church, so it's dark now. Um, and there's this one guy, Nick. He was 16, 17-ish. And he says, I gotta tie my shoe. I think I've told you this. I gotta tie my shoe. I'm like, okay, fine. We kind of wait around. We're in this big open area. Have you ever seen pictures of Europe and stuff? They have these big open areas and there's like a fountain and people are just walking all around and the lights, everything's lit up and it's beautiful and it's all by the river and all this. Um, so he has to tie his shoe and we kind of wait around and um, after a few minutes the crowd starts moving and we all keep walking and speaking in English to each other very loudly because, I don't know, get people outside of where they're from, everyone's loud for some reason and um, people were complaining about us being tourists and then fireworks go off and it was Trisha's birthday. And so we all sang happy birthday very loudly in English, in France. No one else is speaking English, right? You should hear us. 
And then one of the French guys like, who ain't Nick? Or where's Nick? Where's Nick? Where's Nick? I haven't seen Nick. And we lost him. He tied his shoe and never returned. <laughs> and we weren't technically in charge, but we were probably the oldest. <laughs> and so we felt some sort of responsibility. Um, and we start panicking and walking back to try to find him. But it's this big open area. There's people everywhere. And it's hard to see and it's dark. And, and finally, finally we found him. But it, it wasn't until after he had called his mother in New Brunswick to find Mike's number so he could call Mike to come get him. So she's panicking. Her precious little baby's off in Europe somewhere lost. She calls Mike. And they come rushing down. He's a little agitated. Uh, we lost this guy. <laughs> but he comes with the pastors and trying to find him. But we found him. And we were literally the only group singing in English. And he couldn't find us. And it still bothers me to this day. Like, we didn't move fast. I don't know if you walked with 20 people. But it doesn't move fast. I don't know how long it takes to tie a shoe. We've made fun of him ever since. We lost a kid. He was only missing maybe 30 minutes in total. Another time, don't let, don't let your children go with us, okay? Another time we were youth pastors. For, we were youth pastors maybe a week. And we went, we went in Ontario and we went to Canada's Wonderland. And this kid, Joseph, he just, dis wanted, he just disappeared. We're all like, okay, where's Joseph? I don't know. Cool. I think he was 12. He's okay, though. He's still alive. Another time in St. John, they were doing outreach uptown, and another kid got mad and stormed off. It's not hard to lose a person. We think it is, because we wouldn't lose our children. But in a big group, it becomes easy to lose someone. So I'm saying all this stuff. One, don't, don't let your children go with us, because we'll lose them. No. This stuff can happen easily, especially if you're in a large group. Now, especially when there's lots of people around, and especially when you're walking. Uh, in those days, in Jesus' days, Jews from all over would trek to Jerusalem um, to go celebrate the Passover. If you could only afford to go to one feast a year, um, you would go to the Passover. It was the big thing. Everyone went, and it wasn't uncommon for entire villages to all walk together and travel together to, to this place. Um, big groups of relatives would come too, and you would just travel this big, huge group of people walking together. Um, everyone would kind of keep an eye on everyone else's children. We, you would just have this great old time traveling together. The women and children would travel at the front and setting the pace, because you know us men, we walk so fast. So we would be behind. We don't, we don't want to leave them behind. So the men would be behind, the women and children up in front. And it wouldn't have been very easy for Jesus to go missing. He was in that age 12 where you're not quite a man, not quite a boy. So Joseph could have assumed that he was up there with Mary. And Mary could have assumed he was back there with Joseph. And, you know, they just assumed he was with someone else. And so we can't be too hard on them. It's easy to happen. But that being said, we're going to be hard on them. <laughs> this story. There's five points I want to mention or talk about with this. The first one, in Luke 2, 41, it says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. They went every year. 
I don't know if they went when they're hiding in Egypt or whatever, but it, probably they did. It says they went every year. So they've done this for 12 years. Um, 12 years they made the same trek, the same group of people, mostly the same friends, the same relatives, uh, the same neighbors for the most part. Um, they've done this many times over and over again, 12 times. And it had become a tradition. Every year they... All right, it's Passover time. Let's load up the camels or donkeys or whatever we got. Let's load everything up and let's go to Jerusalem. Come on. Everyone's getting ready to go. We don't want to get left behind. Let's go. Let's get walking. Put grandma on the cart. I don't know. She's too tired to walk. Just let's get out of here. We got to go. We got to get going. And so it become this whole routine. And every year, let's, let's do it again. Let's do it again. So 12 years they've done this. And there's a, a danger when things become routine, when things become a tradition or a habit or a custom, our brain can shut off. Our heart can shut off. Going to autopilot. Do you ever drive home from work and not remember anything about the drive? Because your brain just telling you where you're going and they're like, how did I get here? Or you're supposed to stop somewhere because your wife told you to get something on the way home and you're like pulling into your street I'm like, oh no, I forgot the thing. <laughs> or you go about your day and you don't remember what you did. It's because you're an autopilot. You've done it so many times. And Mary and Joseph were used to making this trip. This is the 12th time they made it with Jesus. And, um, and they're used to Jesus just being there all the time. And they were never worried about losing him. They never worried about him wandering off. They never worried that maybe he'd stay behind in Jerusalem. They never worried about, you know, turning around and not seeing him. He's always there. They kind of took it for granted. And this whole thing had become a, a ritual or a tradition year after year after year after year for 12 times. And when things become like that, we can let our guard down. And there's a danger in tradition sometimes. We can get so comfortable and so used to something that we don't even notice. Maybe that Jesus... Is missing, And we can do the same thing over and over and over and we can miss the point. Now we're talking about us, not Mary and Joseph. We can, we can show up and we can sing our songs and we can say some prayer requests. We can give in the offering. We can read a verse or two and sit down and daydream and catch some of the sermon as we, we go in and out from you know our thoughts and whatever. We can catch some of this and that and pray the same prayer at the end and go home and then live our lives and that's it. Well, we went to church. But did we experience Jesus? Did, he, did his word speak to our hearts? Or did we just do what we've always done? Where is Jesus? Because if he's not here, then we're missing the point of it all. Mary and Joseph went to Jerusalem to worship God and to thank him for all that he'd done. And they left him in Jerusalem. <laughs> right? Our tradition, if our tradition has us leaving Jesus, then we are in trouble. We need to shake it up. Something happened on the 12th year. They seem to have taken for granted the fact that he was always with them. For 12 years, Jesus had just been there. Whenever they turned around, he was just there. Whenever they needed him, he was just there. They took for granted that he was always there. Every other year, he'd been there. And traditions are fine, but when they cause us to miss out on Jesus and what he's doing, and we become so um, focused on doing the thing that we miss 
what he's doing, then they need to go. Traditions aren't necessarily the problem. It's our mindsets and our hearts. It's when we shut them off and just kind of coast. And I can just go through the motions, right? They were supposed to go to Jerusalem. They were supposed to go celebrate the Passover. They were supposed to do this thing. But somehow, along the way, they lost him. We're supposed to go to church. We're supposed to sing songs. We're supposed to give. We're supposed to do all of these things. But we can't allow that tradition to take away from us experiencing Jesus. We can't take Jesus for granted because that's when problems start. If Jesus isn't with us, and I hate to break it to you, but we're in the wrong spot. If he's not with us, we're not where we should be. Amen. If traditions are drawing us closer to Jesus, then that's good. But if not, we need to either get rid of them or examine our heart or both and figure out what's wrong and, and fix it. But we can't do this without Jesus. We can't leave him behind. And the second thing is Joseph, it says, sorry, Luke 2, 43 to 44 says, And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. Joseph and his mother knew not of it, supposing him to have been in the company. They left Jerusalem, and they went home. Well, they started to go home. But Jesus stayed behind, and Joseph and his mother, Mary, knew not of it. That's the scary part. How easy it is for us not to realize that Jesus isn't there. Were Mary and Joseph sinning? No, they hadn't done anything wrong. But we can't move without him. We need to wait on Jesus. We need to let him lead. I realize in the story he is He's a child, but the principle is the same. We can't move without him. We need to let him lead us. We, need, we have this thing where we, we do something and we pray for Jesus to show up and bless it and honor it. When we should really pray and see what Jesus is doing and where he's moving and go with that. And let him work through us. Jesus, we're going home. No, I'm not done here. We need to allow him to to lead, not us. If there's anything we, sh we should have learned from this wonderful year that's almost over, we can't lead. We don't know what's going to happen. We need to let him lead us. We need to let him call the shots. It says, but they supposing him to have been in the company when a day's journey. There's a danger in tradition and there's also a danger in Supposing. They just thought. They just guessed that Jesus was with them. They just assumed that Jesus was with them in the company. And that's dangerous. Yeah, Jesus is with us. Let's go. We'll be fine. Should we pray and check first? Nah, he's with us. We got this. He's always been with us before. We're good. Let's go. That's a dangerous place to be. We can't suppose when it comes to Jesus. We can't guess. We can't. Assume we need to be sure when it comes to Jesus. Sometimes we try to package this as faith and say, oh yeah, it'll be fine. Where's your faith? That's not the same thing. 
Yes, we need faith, but our faith is supposed to be founded and based in Jesus. And if Jesus is not in what you're doing, then your faith isn't going to do anything. It needs to be in Jesus. So we need to, we can't be supposing or assuming about Jesus. We need to be certain what he's doing and follow him. We need to know him. We need to know where he is. We need to know how to get a hold of him. We need to know how to pray and intercede and get into his presence and hear his voice and all of these things. Because if we're just supposing that he's leading us and we're just assuming that he's leading us and we're just guessing that maybe he's going this way, we'll, we'll, we'll try this and, you know, and he's, he's blessing and we're just, we're just guessing, then we're in for a rude awakening because we need to be sure and that takes prayer and fasting, then we need to do it. And that takes sacrifice, we need to do it. We can't leave this up to chance and suppose that maybe he's with us. Maybe he's not. We need to be sure. It took them a whole day before they realized, and some of us it takes, it takes weeks or months or years. But however long it takes, the next step is the most critical. Verse 45, it says, When they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. They turned back. As soon as they realized that he wasn't there, they turned back. And this is the key. I know this may sound silly, but they could have kept going. Nah, it's fine. Jesus will show up. We're still doing the right thing. We're supposed to be going home. We're still doing the right thing. It's his fault for not being here. We're doing what we're supposed to do. <clears throat> and that sounds silly as you're talking about a 12-year-old child at the time, but we can do the same thing. <laughs> now I'm going to keep doing this. He'll show up and help. He'll show up and bless it. As soon as they realized he wasn't there, they turned back. <clears throat> and for some reason, you notice that Jesus isn't there Turn back. For some reason, you look around and you're like, I don't even know where he is. You need to turn back to him. Find him. And we do that by repenting, turning back. And this is the key. They went back as soon as they noticed. They didn't wait a week or two. You know, they were going back to Jerusalem next year. They didn't wait till next year. Oh, maybe we'll find him. Hopefully he's okay. <laughs> it's a right away thing. As soon as you notice, oh, maybe Jesus isn't right where I thought he was. I need to go back and find him. Repentance and getting ourselves right with God isn't a once a week thing or a once a year thing. It's a right away thing. As soon as you know, oh, I've, I've walked away. I've messed up with this. As soon as you know, we need to turn back. As soon as Joseph and Mary notice, they turn back to Jerusalem and went to find Jesus. That's why we should be in the word and prayer often because it shows us right away where we mess up, where we're falling short, or where we're not, we're not doing the right thing. And we need to fix it right away and turn back. Again, there's a danger in continuing without him. Every step you take after you notice that he's maybe not there, is another step further away. So turn, turn back. The fourth thing, um, verse 46, And it came to pass after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. They found him 
in the temple. They went looking for him, and they found him. Three days, it says. Um, so they've, they've been walking one day. They noticed he wasn't there, probably. So that's one day. Another day back. And then probably a day looking for him in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's a big city. Uh, maybe they were looking where they stayed. I don't know. Um, so one day searching or whatever, and they find him in the temple, which is a pretty good place to look for Jesus. We're trying to find him. And what was he doing? He was ministering to someone else. Woo. If you want to walk away from Jesus and leave him, that's up to you. But he will never stop working. He will never stop ministering. Jesus never stops working. He's going to keep on going. He's going to keep doing what he's, he's going to do. It's up to us whether or not we want to be part of it. It's up to us whether or not we want to be there. Jesus is going to keep moving and working and teaching and speaking and healing and, and saving whether you or I are with him or not. Jesus' ministering has nothing to do with you or me. I'd rather be there. I'd rather have him working through me. I'd rather be part of it. But the truth of the matter is I could walk away tomorrow and I could leave tomorrow and that's not going to stop him from working. Amen. Nothing can stop Jesus. Nothing can stop his church. Even the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I would rather we were a part of it. I would rather we were like his disciples and bringing people to him and handing out the loaves and the fishes and, and praying for people and ministering to people and, and letting him work through us. I would rather that was us. But if we walk away tomorrow, he's going to keep working. We can leave, but he's still going to work. Jesus' working is not contingent. It's not, it's not, it doesn't depend on me. And while on one hand, that's a bit of a punch in the gut with the old ego, but on the other, it's kind of nice. It takes the pressure off. He's going to work no matter what. And I could be there for it or not. That's up to me. I can let him work through me and see incredible things happen. Or I can walk away. That's up to me. The choice, the choice is mine. The choice is, is yours. And Jesus is going to work no matter what. If I drop the ball or not. I want to be there. Though I want to be part of it. Hopefully you do. Too. And the last thing is. Verse 48 to 49. When they saw him they were amazed. And his mother said to him. Son why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them. How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business. Mary says, why have you done this to us? We're upset. We are sorrowing. We've been looking for you all over the place, and we are upset. And Jesus says, why? You should have known what I was doing. <laughs> How is it that you're upset? Why are you upset? Why are you so upset or anxious or worried? You know who I am. You know what my purpose here is. You should have known. Why are you surprised? And that seems a little bit, I don't know, we wouldn't like it if our kids said that to us. This is Jesus. It's a little different. 
There's a man from uh, home church. His name is Brother Fudge. James Fudge. Um, he was a, a detective on the police force. Uh, a great man, well known throughout the city, outside the church. Um, a guy I went to high school with found himself in trouble with the law. And he turned himself into this guy because he knew he'd be treated fairly. He told me, I'm going to turn myself into um, Detective Fudge. I'm like, cool, go ahead, whatever. I didn't know, I didn't understand, you know, I haven't been on that side of the law. Um, he was a great, he's a great man, he still is. Um, he's a bit rough around the edges, to be honest. He preached sometimes, and he would say some shocking things because he was used to dealing with people not as sensitive as us church folk. <laughs> sometimes his language was a little rougher, but as a teenager, I loved it. <laughs> oh, you! Oh, I wish I could say that. But he used to take prayer requests at church. Um, and then he'd pray. And with such authority that I've never heard anybody pray with before. And he would point this big old finger as he prayed. And we'd all make fun of him as teenagers. But only because we loved him. And he would just point when he prayed. And just, he's bigger. These big, tough guys. You know, those old school. Wonderful. Love it. And he just point this big old finger as he prayed, and you just believe that whatever he was praying for was, was going to happen. And I, sometimes people would get up to do a thing in a service, and they would forget they were supposed to do that thing. And they would just start saying things. You know how that is? You ever seen that happen? Someone would get to do announcements, and they'd start preaching about something, and you're like, hey, just do the announcements and sit down. But he would get up to pray, and he just kind of went on a rant one day <laughs> about praying with authority. Um, you know, he was an officer and all. He knew how authority worked and how, you know, you needed to speak a certain way if you wanted a certain thing to happen. And, and how sometimes, he said, we seem surprised when Jesus answers our prayer. And we're like, oh, it worked. I can't believe it happened. And he said, I don't do that. <laughs> when I pray, I believe it's going to happen. I'm not surprised when he answers prayer. I expect it to happen. He has a deeper manlier voice than I do. And I just remember him pointing and saying that. And that always stuck with me. When I pray, I expect it to happen. I believe it will happen. And we shouldn't be surprised when Jesus does something. We should expect it. He said to Mary, why are you shocked that I'm doing this? You know who I am. You know I sh I'm, this is what I'm here for. I'm supposed to be about my father's business. Why are you shocked? Why are you surprised? Joseph and Mary shouldn't have been surprised that Jesus was in the temple ministering and teaching and working. They should have expected it. And we should expect Jesus to work. 
We should expect him to speak. We should expect him to move because that's what he does. That's what he came to do, to bind broken hearts, to set a liberty to the captive, to, to do all of these things. We should expect him to do it. We shouldn't be surprised when his spirit moves in and we start, we start praying and things start happening. We shouldn't be shocked. We should expect it to happen. We should expect him to work. We should expect him to move. We shouldn't be surprised by what he does. And so, as we go into this next year, this new year, I know this is kind of all over the place. A question I have for you is where is Jesus? As we get ready for this new year, and I pray it's better than the last one. I don't know how it could be worse, but people say it can be. We'll find out. But no matter what happens, the question, where is Jesus? Is he with us? Are we with him? I don't want tradition to get in the way of me following Jesus. I don't want to get so caught up in doing the same thing every week, every day, every year that I leave him behind. I don't want to ever be in the place where I'm just supposing or just assuming that he's with me. I want to know for sure. And if I ever find myself away, I want to turn back right away. I want him to keep working. I want him to keep ministering. I want him to keep moving. And I want to be there when he does. And I want him to use me as he does. I don't want to be surprised by him. <laughs> I want to have such a faith that anything is possible when we pray something we believe is going to happen. We're not shocked when Jesus answers our prayer because that's what he does. We shouldn't be shocked when he's ministering because that's what he does. We shouldn't be surprised when we see broken hearts put back together because that's what he does. We shouldn't be shocked. So that's what I, I would like. I don't know if you want the same thing or not. Well, the question is, where is Jesus? If he's with us, all these things can happen. As we get ready for uh, a new year, let's make sure that he is with us. And if he is, I don't know, if you want to play something, you can try. I missed my little, I have music notes in my notes let me know to remind people, but I, I skipped over them. It's supposed to be in the middle of Brother Fudge. <clears throat> As we get ready for this new year, let's make sure that he's with us. And, and if he is, it's going to be a good year. And if he isn't, let's go back and find him. And stay with him. And make sure that as we go into this year, that Jesus is with us. I don't want to go into a, I don't want to go any further if he's not with us. So let's let's stand. We're going to just sing one more song. Let's just pray about these things. If there's any tradition that maybe we're just allowing to get between us and him, let's just pray that God would sort that out and show us if um, we would be certain that he is with us. And if he isn't, then we turn around and find him.
Let's pray that he uses us as he continues to work and minister. Let's not be shocked by what he does. Why? <laughs> Why are you surprised? Don't be surprised. Let's just pray um, one more time before we go. Before we go into this new year, let's pray that God would do these things. And he would be with us as a church, as individuals, as families, as we move forward together.